Amen, amen, amen. Everybody say step three. Step three. Amen, all right. So great to be here and glad you showed up. I hope that last week as you was filling out your, your uh, spiritual gifts test that you have just put those in your memory or that you wrote them down so you can look at them and, and remember what they are. And we're just going to take that next step on how to take those spiritual gifts and put them to practice. Get you in a place where you're not afraid that fear won't have a chance in holding you back from walking out the plan and path that God has for your life. Amen? So we're just going to jump right into this and learn how to shift our perspective on there. And it reminds me of a story about this kid growing up. Anybody ever go outside and, uh, you know, play baseball by yourself where you would, you know, have the ball and you throw it up and, and swing and hit the ball? Anybody else ever do that, right? Or see your kids do that? It's a great game, right? Because you always win. So... <laughs> <laughs> There's a story. This, this kid goes out, and he, you know, he's talking as he walks up. He says, okay, it's the bottom of the ninth. There's two outs. Bases are loaded, and the greatest hitter steps up to bat. He says he, he takes it. Pitch. Swing and a miss. Strike one. Picks up the ball, and he says, all right, the crowd is silent. One hit wins the World Series. One hit. Swing and a miss, strike two. All right, this is it, folks. Everything relies on this right here. World Series. Strike three. The crowd goes wild. He drops the bat. Says, best pitcher ever. <laughs> right? See, he changed the perspective on how he was seeing his performance on, on what he was doing with God's gifts inside of him. And I know it's a sports analogy, but can we see that, right? Instead of hitting the home run or the single hit that wins the game, he became the best pitcher ever. So today, this is what God wants to do through his word in step three, as we develop your leadership. Let's go to 1 Peter 4, 10 through 11. God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them to serve one another. God has given you. God has given you. See, God has given, and I want you to see this. See, this isn't something that you develop. It says God has given you this spiritual gift. God has given to each one of you a gift out of the greater variety of spiritual gifts. Use them to serve one another. Do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. Wow. A gift so powerful that when you speak, God himself is speaking through you. You ever felt that way? As Pastor was saying earlier, that you're talking to somebody and you just feel this, you know, this, this power of just welling up inside in you, and you, and you might not have held it back and think, oh man, I should have said something. Well, that was the Lord wanting to speak through you. That was God Himself wanting to speak through you to use the gift that He has given you. 
And when we release that power, when we, when we just take back or, you know, release that power instead of taking back its power, in other words, let him work through you to do what he wants to do to help that other person, to serve them, the gift that God give you to help others. Do you have a gift of helping others? Do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. With all the strength and energy. And I know sometimes we depend on, you know, monsters and bangs and Red Bulls or the best coffee in the world served right here at Thrive Cafe, right, to get that energy. But in all reality, all your strength, everything that you are. Scripture says you can't do anything of your own power. That it is him that gives you the strength to walk that out, to perform for his glory, to share that gift to help others. And when we see that, there's less of us and all of him. Do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. Then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. All glory and power to him forever and ever. Isn't that awesome? Amen. He gives you the gift. You, you, you just submit to it say, okay, use this gift. And then he gives you the power and the strength to use that gift. It glorifies God and you walk in your freedom. You thrive in your freedom. So as you develop your gifts, what does it do? Leading is influence. Whether you know it or not, you are influencing somebody. That's kind of scary, isn't it? I know I used to influence a lot of bodies, and I was a nobody <laughs> leading everybody to their doom, right? Totally opposite of the song, right? <laughs> you have an influence, whether it's in your home, to your kids, to your friends, in your job. There is somebody that you are influencing and God wants to use that influence. He wants to develop that leadership, that leader inside you to use that gift to help them, to bless them for his glory. And it's not dependent on your title or position. No matter what your title or position is, you can influence somebody. If you're working and you're, you're saying, man, I'm just cleaning the floors here. I'm cleaning the restroom here. Well, praise God for that. You can influence somebody. And you might influence somebody you don't even know, either good or bad. On this trip, we took a trip uh, with Pastor uh, to, um, to uh, Alabama. Where did we go? Where did we go? I don't even know where we went. <laughs> uh, Birmingham, Alabama. There we go. And we stopped on the way back, and somebody told him that he trained Pastor Nathan better than that to only stop at good places. But we stopped at this place to, to fill up with gas and use the restroom. Oh, my First, Ollie walked in and went to, into the women's and came out and went up and said, excuse me, the, the women's bathroom doesn't have any toilet paper. And she says, well, just use the men's, right? And so we go in there. Not, no, that sounded weird, didn't it? No, the guys had already been in there, but they went in there and it was so dirty. I mean, you walked in and the bathroom said, hello, right? <laughs> I mean, it was alive and functioning, you know, funky smell. I mean, they had a, a, a deodorant thing or an air freshener, and it, it didn't have a chance. And you're like, the odor was just eating that thing away. I mean, it was just, right? It was terrible. You walked in there, you held your breath, you put your shirt up, and you walked out, and you got about 10 feet away, and you went, <gasps> right, just to 
breathe. Whoever cleaned that was having an influence on me. And I am so thankful when I walk into a restroom and it is clean and it smells good, right? That influence. You can influence somebody no matter what your position. Amen. Let's go to Exodus 3, 11 and 12. The story we all know, but I, I, I think we can look at it in a way that you can say, hey, I'm just like Mo. Still from Pastor Delaney. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? So he said, I will certainly be with you and this shall be a sign to you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. What I love about this, you know, is when you read it, he says, who am I? And there's that song, you know, and I, I love to sing because I can't sing, right? But who am I that you are mindful of me, right? Who am I? Have you ever asked God that? When he wants you to do something, you know you're, you're called to do something, and you, and you say, say, who am I? I can't do that. I don't have the, the education. I don't have the strength. I don't have the power. I don't have the gifting. Oh, wait, what did we just discuss, right? He gives you the gifts. It's his power that works in you to answer that question, who am I? Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh? Moses. Now, he is having some identity issues here, right? He doesn't even know who, I am, who he is, right? So he says, who am I that I can do this? Well, on one part, we can look at Moses as, as having some serious abandonment issues, he has a mother and father wound. If, you, if you've been to the Freedom Conference, you kind of know what those are, right? And if you haven't, sign up for the next one. If, you know, and after you're here today, sign up to the ministry training so you can start doing a thrive, a tribe, and you can develop this. But he's saying, who, who am I? Well, he was a Hebrew whose mother wanted him to save his life so much, she prepared a basket and made it as waterproof as possible, I'm sure, laid her baby in it, set him on the river, and pushed. Imagine being an infant, looking up, floating away from your mom, being taken by the stream away, and, and the mother looking and tears rolling down her face, because if she, if she kept him, there was a good chance that they was going to find him and that they would kill him. So she was going to trust God and, and, and put him in there and push him away. Get, how much trust does that take? See, she, scripture, God didn't tell her, say, hey, make a basket, put him in the water, push him down. She was trusting God, Lord, please, watch over my baby. And it floats down, and Pharaoh's daughter finds it. Here's the baby's cry, picks him up, and says, wow, a baby. You ever think about how that, that went in her mind, knowing that Pharaoh had given the order to, to kill all the babies? And here she was going to keep. And she's thinking, Wow. How am I going to feed this baby? Yeah, too young for a chicken. Right, so calls a maid, and we know the story that comes, and, and it's Moses' mom. 
And so Moses' mom gets to nurse him for two years. And I can almost picture it in the mind as you read through Scripture and knowing how much God loves that baby, how much God loved Moses and the calling that God had on his life that that mother nursed him and would say, you are a chosen child. You are loved. You're created to do great things for God. You're going to do great things for God's people. I love you. And just, just kept saying that to him for two years. And then after two years, once again, handed Moses over. To the Pharaoh. Imagine how that would, would break her heart. Once again, trusting God to take care of her baby to the point of being raised by a heathen, atheist. I wouldn't call it atheist because Pharaoh believed himself God, that others would worship him as a deity. Moses was raised to be a prince of Egypt. He got the best education. He was trained in fighting, in defense, highly educated, highly trained. When Moses would leave and go anywhere as he was being raised, when Moses spoke, people listened. When Moses spoke, it was with power, with authority backed by the Pharaoh, and everybody would listen to what he would say, even the slaves, even his own people would listen and yet here he is saying, who am I? Well, he was struggling. Am I, am I a Hebrew? Am I an Israelite? Because that's, that's my mom. Or am I a prince? The prince of Egypt. The struggle going on. And then the day comes when, when he sees a guard abusing one of his people. He kills the guard, buries it, buries the body, and runs out for 40 years. And now God, God is calling him back and saying, this is what I want you to do. I've raised you up. I trained you. And part of the training that he received was from being a prince. But the rest of it was being in the desert, running. And think about this. He ran from the most powerful kingdom at the time. That Egypt was so powerful, they could have sent out thousands and thousands of chariots that were laced with gold and pulled by horses that was the strongest army at the time and found him. But somehow, he was able to hide for 40 years and prosper in the desert. So he was relying on God while he was fleeing from one of the most powerful armies on the face of the earth at the time. And he's saying, who am I? I can't do this. Which part do you think he's not connecting to? That identity crisis that he was having in the midst of God's blessing. And he's asking, you know, what if they, fear, the song we said, fear doesn't stand a chance. He was letting fear, fear caused him to run. Fear caused him to not want to do what, he want, what God wanted him to do. Fear caused him to say, you know, who am I? Who am I to do this? Number three, I've never done this, right? God's calling him to do something. He's like, uh, 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 mm, uh, right? And some said that he had a, a, a stuttering problem. Maybe, didn't really he just said, I, I'm not eloquent in speech. 
not eloquent in speech. But he had the best education, right? Trained to be a prince, to give orders. And here he was calling to do that before the other side, for the slaves instead of the, the false gods. Can't you use somebody else, number four? He had a reluctancy because of his identity issues, right? He had a reluctancy to walk in the power that he had, not as the prince of Egypt, but as the son of God. Not as a prince of Egypt, but one called by God, empowered by God, protected by God, equipped by God. And God said, I will do this for you. And what I love about it is saying, this is what I want you to do. And he says, okay, give me a sign. He said, the sign will be when you're standing on this mountain, all the people around me, and you're worshiping me. But that's the end. You notice that? Right? He, he, he goes, oh, just real quick. I will certainly be with you, and this shall be a sign that I have sent you. Because he's telling him, go. Send somebody else. Go. I don't think so. I, I'm not equipped. Go. Okay. How will I know? Well, when it's all said and done, you'll be standing right here. Look at the faith that that took. I want, no. How about you give me somebody else to speak? God did that too. But Aaron didn't end up saying anything. It was Moses saying it all below, speaking to the Pharaoh. First Peter 2, 9. What Moses should have heard from his relationship with the Lord, from, from who he knew, who he discovered, why he was in the desert for, for 40 years and was protected by 40 years and prospered for 40 years, he should have heard this. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Knowing whose you are, knowing that the gifts that you have, the talents that you have, everything that you have comes from him and that he's going to empower you to use it to influence others in your tribe, in your house. And I love, you know, you're leading somebody somewhere. If you're playing golf with friends, that could, that could be a group that you study with. Okay, if you like just a, a small group to in depth and to dive into study, then you're going to want to hook up with Pastor Sue. <laughs> We're sitting right back there, and she's going to lead a tribe. That you're going to want to look at other tribes and say, "Well, I like to play golf. I want to start a buffet tribe." <laughs> we can all meet at the buffet and eat together, right? A lot of stuff happens over food, right? Every time you see Jesus teaching, you know what they were doing most of the time. Eaten. So I'm just a man after God's own heart. <laughs> right? So we can get together, we can eat, we can fellowship, we can talk about man stuff, or we can talk about family stuff. All right? You're leading already. God wants to develop those gifts in you. And how can you do it? You are His. You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, nation, a holy people of God that you may proclaim his praises, be called out of darkness. And see, that doesn't mean just salvation. If, if God has given you talents, power to influence, power to, that people you know, see you on Facebook or Snapchat or everything else that the phone has to offer, right? And you can influence people that way, whether it's that way or at your work, at your, you know, whatever you're doing, Maybe you're a stay-at-home mom. I guarantee you have influence to somebody, and God wants to use that. 
He wants to bring out the qualities of a leader. Let's go to Daniel 6. It pleased Darius to appoint 120 satraps to rule throughout the kingdom with three administrators over them, one of whom was Daniel. The satraps were made accountable to them so that the king might not suffer loss. Now Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators that the satraps, by his exceptional qualities, that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. Now there's a lot here. You can study the life of Daniel and, and you can sometimes they'll compare it to the life of Christ. You can see a highly anointed life, uh, one of, of leadership and high quality. And you think, how did he develop that? It gives us the answer here. It says in, in verse three, now Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional qualities. Where'd those come from? They come from the Lord. We know that scripture just said that they come from the Lord. He gives you those qualities, but he loved God. He spent time with God. All throughout scripture, you will see that Daniel was always praying. What is prayer? It's a relationship. It's a communication back and forth with God that he spent a lot of time with God praying. And I don't know how long you pray. For me, it, some, and it's been a gradual learning process because after you get done with the, Lord, help me to have more money. Help me to be skinnier. Help me to eat less. Help, help me to get a promotion in my job. Help me to pay my bills. See how superficial that stuff is? Father God, have you, have you done this? How are you doing today? Pretty good. My day's been terrible. You know, I'm going through this stuff here, and most of it's because I, I got myself in it. I've been lying, I've been cheating, I've been stealing, I'm doing this. I'm not living up to my responsibilities. I know I should work harder and, and provide for my family better and love my wife better, but I'm being selfish in these areas. And you should just be open like that. Why? Because he already knows. He already knows. So just talk with him about it. And it'll be amazing on how freeing that is. That as you're talking to God, guess what? He'll talk back to you. You will hear it. You'll, the, it'll rise up inside just like it did when you knew you should have said something to somebody to encourage them, to help them. And, and maybe you didn't, but next time you will. Right? That'll come up and you'll, you'll where it's an audible, but you'll hear him. He'll start speaking to you. You'll read his word. He'll start speaking to you through there. He'll speak to you because you, you'll be, you know, talking with him and you're done praying. You go out and the next person you meet will walk up and say, hey, man, have you been struggling with this? Or can I pray for you? And, oh, how did you know? Right? It's from talking that relationship with God. And that's how Daniel is here. That, that Now, I want you to see this. There was Daniel and, and two others that were appointed, and people were, were appointed underneath them. So those three were going to run the whole country and, and just report back to the, to the king, okay, to the governor. And so the governor is going to sit back and enjoy everything while they did it. And, but then he put Daniel over all them, over the whole kingdom. He said, man, you do all the work. You, you report to me. You run everything, and I'll get the benefit. He was doing the same job as everybody else. It didn't say that, that at this area he was doing better than the others. That power came from the Lord because he loved God. 
That relationship with God showed him favor in those areas. Let's keep going. That the king planned to send him over the whole kingdom. Let's go to Acts 4, 13. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that the men had been with Jesus. The men had been with Jesus. Because we all know, right here, it talks about Peter and John. A lot of times it says Peter, James, and John. Okay, they was a tight little group, right? But Peter and John here, they were kicked out of the education system that the regular Jews had to go through. How do we know this? Because at their age, they was out doing their father's business. What was that? Fishing. Anybody else that wasn't kicked out of school at their age was still being trained by the rabbi. Right? And so we think about this. Okay, they had already been kicked out of school. Right? Because there's certain levels that were taught by rabbis, and the rabbis would say, Hey, I know you love the Lord and you're doing good up to this point. You know, but I think you need to go be about your father's business. And so they would go home to be trained by their father. The rest of them would continue to follow the rabbi, and they would go to the next step and then to the next step. And if they followed that rabbi and stayed in it until they was age 30, then they become rabbis where they could go out and teach themselves and have disciples of their own. That was the normal Jewish education system. Right? And so when we see that, we know that they were uncalled. That's why they said here, they were unschooled and ordinary men. They were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. Wow. Just being with Jesus. What you're doing right here? Being with Jesus. What you do when you pray, being with Jesus. What you do when you read his word, being with Jesus. What you do when you're driving in your car, listen to the praise and worship music on your radio, hopefully, all right? It's being with Jesus. And why do I say that? Listen, I don't have anything against any other music because I listen to it all. I grew up breakdancing. You know, I like to rap even though I'm white, okay? I have a black soul, right? I do. And if that offends you, I'm sorry, we'll talk afterwards, okay? But, 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 but I like to dance, and I went to the clubs. And what's funny is, you know, on Tuesday, I was at, it was called college night, man. I'd go in there and break a move, right? And, you know, just be dancing, all this kind of stuff, right? And then on Thursday night was country night, right? <laughs> I didn't have any idea who I was, so I was trying to be everything, right? But the more I got to know Jesus, the closer I got to Jesus, the more I wanted to, just any time I had spare time, I wanted to listen to it on the radio. My kids go to public school, but if you look at their playlists and everything else, that's all they grew up listening to was, was church music. It's praise and worship. Okay? I mean, you throw in an every now and then, eye and a tiger, right? Right? A shot through the heart because you're to blame, Right? Right? All these different, you know, awesome songs. You know, I mean, I, I, <laughs> I could keep going forever like that, but listen, <laughs> all right? Don't miss out on an opportunity. You think, well, that's not much. Oh, it's a bunch. The other day I was driving in the car. We was coming home from somewhere, and if you hadn't heard it, you're going to see Sue sign up before long, all right? It's called uh, Scars in Heaven. Has anybody heard it? If not, wait, see, not, listen to it. Man, we was driving, and I listen, like, I go, man, that's good. <laughs> man, that is so good. <laughs> oh, my God. 
I almost had to pull over because it was so good. I could have had it on a different station. I've been rocking it out. I guess that's not how you rock. Rock this. Right? Exactly right. Okay? But I didn't. And so, man, I was ministering in such a way, and my wife's crying too. She looks over, she goes, that's the song I told you about. <laughs> right? It's so awesome. Don't miss out on those little opportunities. You got time, man. Put the Bible on CD and on tape. Put it. You will be amazed at how your spiritual growth will start growing. Why? Because you're spending time with Jesus. Your day will go better. Everything you do, you're, you're, you know, you'll just have more influence just like Daniel did, not doing anything different except spending time with Jesus, and you'll go up to that next level. I got this from when Pastor and I was in Birmingham. They called it Birmingham Home at the conference we used to, and, and man, you guys have an awesome pastor and, and so knowledgeable and, and wise, and, and he goes, you're going to be blessed by this, and I had been in to hundreds of conferences before, working with privileges and fellowship ministries and different things. And I always went and I thought, man, this is just a waste because, you know, I get to eat good because they're paying for it and, and the hotel room's kind of nice and, you know, all that kind of stuff. But I just like, oh, another conference. And let me tell you, I learned more in a week at this conference than I did four years in Bible college. Okay? Four, and, and, and it's hard to, a week I learned more about real ministry more than any seminary could ever teach me. And it was just amazing. One of the things that, that stuck with me was, was this right here. Pastor Chris, Chris Hodges said it. God has already hardwired every person to live a life of transcendence. God has already hardwired every person to live a life up here, a life of transcendence. That means above the normal, above what the flesh, above what your talents can achieve for you. God is hardwired to live higher than that. And all it takes is you saying, here I am, gracefully broken, right? Here I am, Lord, gracefully broken, send me. Sometimes I'll be like, my Lord, let me do this. He'd be like, you don't know how to do that. I know, but you can teach me. You've never done that before. Okay, let's go, right? It's like the first time you go, go into a junior high dance. Have you ever been to one? Right, music's playing, everybody's on the wall. Why aren't you dancing? Don't know how. <laughs> right, but then that one kid, whose mama said, come here. Or dad who talked to his daughter said, come here. My parents used to do that. Step on my toes, right? He'd step on their feet. They taught you the, right? One, two, one, right? One, two, one. Or if you saw the movie Hitch, just stay right here. <laughs> right? Just don't, don't go outside that. You know, and he's, no, what about this? No, no, just, just stay right here, right? And a slow song, just right here, right? Not, not like this, just, just like this, right? When you learned how to do that, and the first time someone walked, and you grabbed your hand, you're like, oh. Right, you went from this, right, to the club, <laughs> yeah, right? 
doing all this kind of stuff based on nothing. You can't dance. You just think you can dance because you're drunk. <laughs> Talking about myself. A long time ago. <laughs> okay? But if the world can build confidence in you to do stupid things, let the Lord make you live a life of transcendence, developing what he's already given you with his strength and his power. And all it takes is for you to say, okay, man, I pretty much messed up my life so far, so let's go, right? I'll just let you do it. Huh? Man, every time I do that in my life, I can't even remember, what was the, what's that, the uh, Aladdin, anybody see the movie Aladdin? Right, the, the new animated version, like, or the mixed animation, I don't know what they call it, right? Where a guy, Genie comes out of the bottle and he says, stand back, watch me work. That's what, every time I surrender to God in an area, that's what I see him going, like, yeah, watch me work. Watch me do the impossible through you. Watch me do through you what you've never done before. Let me bring a courage. Let me bring a strength. Let me bring a power to your life that you've never experienced in this area. I've been thinking about getting divorced. Let me love through you, and I'll show you that divorce doesn't work. Okay? I've been thinking about doing this. I can't raise my kids right. Let me work through you. I will be the best parent in you and through you. I want to raise. Let me work through you. All right? That, get that relationship, let God do what he does, and you'll just walk in, you'll just be new to regular stuff. Boss will come over and say, you know what? I want to promote you. I want to give you a raise, right? And it's not like you do it to get blessed. You do it because you're blessed. You see me? You feel me? Okay, let's go to Mark 10. But, yeah, I skipped a lot of stuff. 42 through 45. Jesus called them together and said, I'm sorry, Mark 10. 42 through 45. Jesus called them together and said, you know that those are regarded as, you know that those who regard, who are regarded as rulers, I'm eloquent, I can't do this, I can't be a pastor, what are you calling me? I've been, a, I've been in prison and you want me to go to school, don't you realize I never, you know I never, from seventh grade to, to uh, high school year, I only took two tests that I actually tried on. That's because my mom made me sit at home and study. I was like, man, I'm learning stuff. Never did it again. Okay. <laughs> and God said, oh, now I want you to go to, go to college. Oh, what? So every now and then, and he still humbles me because I can't read. Okay, Jesus called them together and said, you know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles, they lord it over you. You ever had a boss like that? He's no different than you, but because he has the title, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must become a servant. And whoever wants to be first must be a slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. That ransom, you received his life. If you're sitting there today and you say, well, identify as being a Christian, that you have confessed Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and old things have passed away and all things have become new and you're happy in the Lord and on your way to heaven, if that is you, then what you have received, give. 
What, what you have received, introduce people to Jesus so they can find the same freedom that you have found. And then when they do that, they have this freedom. They can connect to their purpose. They can say, oh, I know, I'm feeling like God wants me to do this. I've always lo loved kids. Maybe I need to be a children's pastor. Maybe I need to work in the children's ministry. I've always done this, man. I love men, you know, to, to fellowship with them and help them to walk out. And man, you can be a men's, you know, leader. You can be in a tribe that you can to take what God has given you and give it away to others and see God lift them up and use them and because they'll connect to their purpose and it'll make a difference in their life. And if you think that's new because you've heard it for the first time, I encourage you when we leave here in three minutes and 24 seconds to walk out that door, turn around and look. It's up there. Or maybe when, you're, when you come in, you're still eating a water burger and drinking your coffee, you know, and, and waiting for your next cup that's even stronger and better from the Thrive Cafe as you're coming in. I'm advertising as I'm going, right? As you're coming in. <laughs> as you're coming in and you see the flags, read them. And it's not a new slogan, advertising slogan, or, or a thing that we're just trying to pitch it to you. It's all in Scripture, and it's what God wants to do to you. First, if you don't know Jesus, we want to introduce you to Jesus Christ today. He loved you before the foundations of earth. There's not a sin that you've done that has separated you from the love of God. You can't run far enough. You can't run fast enough, and you're not a good enough hider, no matter how many games of hide-and-seek you won, to hide, to separate you from his love. And he's calling you to a higher purpose. He wants to set you free so he can connect you to walk out that that purpose in your life, and it'll make a difference in this world. It'll make a difference in your family. It'll make a difference in this city, state, nation, and world. And if you haven't watched the news lately, it needs it. Yeah. It needs to know there's something else besides fear that make the world go around. There's something besides a mask that can protect you. Yeah. Nothing against them. But you know what? There's not a disease on this world that has caught God off guard. Right. You have been appointed once to live and once to die, and God knows exactly when that is. I wonder how many times Paul thought, man, this is it, when he's getting ready to be stoned. And then after the stoning was done and he woke up, and, ow, it hurt. And then the second time he was stoned, And I don't know if you know what stoning means. They only stop throwing stones when they think you're dead. Five times, Paul was stoned. Five is the number of grace. I would say he was gracefully broken. Maybe it was when he was shipwrecked. Maybe it was when he got bit by a poisonous snake. Maybe it was when he was in change. Maybe it was when he was whipped. He knew his purpose before all that, and that's what gave him the strength to go through all that. So no matter what you've been through in your life, God wants to develop that strength in you. If I could have the praise team and the worship team come up. Second Corinthians 6.10. When you're walking out God's purpose in your life, because you know that you are his, 
There's nothing that he can't fix. Nothing that he can't heal. And nothing he can't empower you to do. Sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. Poor, and yet making everybody else rich. Having nothing because it's all God's. And yet possessing everything. I'm possessing everything because I have Jesus. Jesus, I'm walking out my freedom because he's given me a, a purpose and I wanna make a difference for him. If that's you, fill out the card. If you know that's you, but you've been struggling, now is the time of invitation.